0: Uh, Good morning, everyone. Maybe building up a little bit on uh, David uh, trying to hide his true age. Uh, I sometime in the last few years probably breached into what some people might call middle age. I know that to some of you I appear as a spring chicken. But uh, it was uh, pressed on me a little bit more, uh, a little less than a year ago. I went to my doctor for the usual physical, and uh, I had a, uh, I guess, the the blood test. They count your cholesterol and other things that are supposed to show how healthy you are. And my cholesterol count was above a certain threshold that uh, rang alarm bells for the doctor. Now, I was perfectly fine to look at at the time. He'd look at me and say, this man appears to be healthy. Uh, but he, by looking at the cholesterol count, could tell, unless some change happens in my life, I may not uh, live healthy for as long as I might otherwise live. Right? I potentially could be around for another 30, 40 years, uh, enjoying relatively good health, except for my cholesterol count being a sign of alarm to my doctor that could shorten my life by 10, 20 years, or maybe just affect the quality of life I might otherwise enjoy. Uh, Paul, uh, here, has a significant con- uh, similar concern for the uh, Philippians. As, as you've been going with us through the letter, Paul's letter to the Philippians, we can tell that there was perhaps a measure of discouragement in Philippi. And so Paul is writing to encourage them. He uh, pointed out uh, different reasons they may have to rejoice and why they don't need to be discouraged. And now as we, we're kind of turning into the end of the book, this is, we're going to, uh, to the first half of chapter four today, and there's really just one message left after this one. Paul is beginning to have this long view now of the church, He's trying to, he's giving them some final words of advice or exhortation that his hope will carry them through the remainder of their Christian life. So, as uh, my doctor may have, I have a a picture up there, uh, showed me, uh, nope, back up one, there you go. Uh, You know, he, he had some advices for me. You need to change your diet, you need to change the things you eat. Uh, you need to exercise more, right? He, he gives me this advice that he's hoping will carry me for the long term in my life, help me live as long as this body might possibly live and as great of a health uh, and enjoyment of a quality of life as I possibly can. In a similar way, Paul, in this um, section, is giving the... Uh, Philippians, what I call six principles for healthy Christian living. Six principles for healthy Christian living. Again, with the long view, wanting them to enjoy the Christian life for as long as possible, it's wonderful that we are saved. And our salvation is never in question. But it's possible for us to miss some of God's blessing for us in living the Christian life here below. And Paul wants to maximize the uh, enjoyment and the duration of enjoying that Christian life. And so, without much ado, principle number one, let's first read the passage. Philippians chapter four, we covered verse one last time, but I'll read it again just for completion. Philippians chapter four, verse one. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, Beloved, I implore Judea and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord, and I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, of peace, will be with you. Okay, principle number one, I would say be involved in a church. Principle number one for healthy Christian living, be involved in a church. Uh, some of us, after receiving that exhortation from our good doctor who says you need to get out and exercise, uh, might decide to join a uh, maybe jogging group like this. Now, why would you do that? Why would you join a group like that? Mutual encouragement. Right, mutual encouragement. I I need to get out and run, and it's hard for me, but if I can find some other people who are willing to go out and running together, then that might encourage me, right? I, I have a set appointment, right? I know I need to be at a certain place at a certain time, Uh, dressed for uh, a certain exercise, and that helps me do that extra step, whereas if I didn't have that group, let's say I was on my own and I knew I should go out and do it, I might have the intention, I'll think the following the previous day, okay, I'm going to get up in the morning, put on my suit and go jogging for a couple of miles, but come Monday morning and I'm still in bed, I'm like, "Uh, I'd rather turn on to my favorite channel on TV. So just having that group often will encourage you, and you're with them. They might be struggling with similar difficulties, and together you can encourage each other. Now, you know, sometimes it's difficult to take an application and apply it to us, Uh, but the truth is, as a church, we try to do the same things. We try to encourage one another in running the Christian race in following God's will for our lives. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 tell us, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see today, approaching So we're here to uh, encor- encourage one another to stir up love and good works. Hopefully as we're talking with each other, uh, doing things together, serving the Lord together, we're encouraging one another to live the Christian life. Now some, it says here, uh, have the manner of forsaking, the assembling of ourselves together, there are Christians who might feel like they don't really need to go to church or they don't really want uh, to go to church uh, for various reasons. It might feel, well, I just don't need it, right? I can be spiritual and I can follow God's will and I don't really need uh, any other encouragement in my life uh, to do that. But uh, that wasn't God's design, right? God knew that we needed that help. The truth is, we all need help. There's almost nothing more certain to wreck your uh, Christian life than not being part of a church where people can encourage you to follow the Lord. I don't know a lot of uh, lone wolf Christians that are doing well in following the Lord. The truth is, we need uh, that mutual encouragement, and so we need to be part of a church. Now, in Philippi, we see that there were some difficulties, right? Paul says, I implore Judea and I implore Syntica to be of the same mind in the Lord. So it seems that there was some friction uh, between people in the church. And these are active Christians. They're working. They're preaching the gospel. And yet they seem to be at some sort of loggerheads. And as a result, Paul is appealing to them. Uh, to, to be reconciled, to have the same mind in the Lord. And that's the other reason people sometimes stop going to church is they'll be offended by somebody there, There's somebody who rubs them the wrong way or, or maybe strongly believes and does something that they strongly uh, disagree with. And uh, the solution for that in this passage isn't to stop going to church. It isn't to leave and look for another church. Uh, It's to become of the same mind in the Lord. It's to realize, well, we have the same Lord Jesus. We're we're doing the same work. We're both trying to uh, preach the gospel, save the lost. Uh, We all have our names written in the book of life. We're going to be spending forever with each other. So so let's try to reconcile. Let's try to, to fix the differences. Let's try to have that same mind in the Lord, to preserve this precious environment that's supposed to help us live the healthy Christian life. It's not going to work otherwise. We need to fix things in the church. Okay, principle number two uh, uh, Paul gives us is to rejoice in the Lord. Uh, This is something that uh, we could relate to as far as a healthy lifestyle. Health experts recognize uh, that happiness is important. I had a picture of a happy girl. You can put that up right now. (laughs) Happiness is actually healthy for for us. Uh, There's doctors who do research in this. Uh, One of them is, I had it written down here, Lee S. Burke who is a doctor of uh, public health. Is actually, uh, is a, I think is a dean at uh, medical school. And, uh, and he does research on it and found that, uh, that laughter is important for our health. And this is what he says about it. Now, I only understand about half of what he says, so don't feel too bad. If some of these medical terms perplex you, uh, you can then go to David, and he'll explain to you what this is all about. But he says uh, laughter causes the release of endorphins, our body's natural painkiller, serotonin, our natural antidepressant, and good neuropeptides, chemical communicators. It also decreases cortisol, which then reduces stress, lowers blood pressure, increases oxygen intake, enhances the immune system, and reduces the risk of having heart disease or a stroke, right? All these things uh, are the result of of laughing. Uh, He continues, in healthcare, we often compartmentalize different specialty. We have physiology, biochemistry, endocrinology, and neurology all taught separately. But when we start to look at the whole person, we can see how interconnected the human body really is. Right? Now, if that was hard for you to follow, um, King Solomon made it simple for us about 3,000 years ago. He said, a merry heart does good like medicine, a merry heart does good like medicine. It, it, makes, it helps our health right, to do that, <laughs> to be that, right? to be happy, to be rejoicing, uh, to laugh. Uh, why? Why does it make us healthier? Because that's how God designed us. Right? In God's design of the human body, he intended for that to be part of our normal experience, to be laughing, to be rejoicing. And when we actually do that, when we are actually enjoying life as God intended it to, it contributes to the health of our body. Right? So it shouldn't surprise us that this applies also to our Christian life. God intended our Christian life to be happy, right? To actually be rejoicing. That is supposed to be, it is designed to be part of the normal Christian life that contributes to the health, to the well-being uh, of our Christian life. So how, how do we do it? Well, first of all, you can't fake it. So in doing research into it, uh, They found you can't fake laughter and then have all these positive results. It has to be genuine. You have to have a real reason to laugh in order for laughing to actually contribute to your health. Uh, Same thing in the Christian life. You can't fake it. You can't fake joy and expect that to help your Christian life. It has to be genuine. How, How do we enjoy, how do we rejoice in our Christian life? Before I became a believer, uh, I started going to a Bible study. And um, my, my main reason to going to a Bible study is I was actually interested in a girl, a Christian girl, not because I was really interested in God. But God in his mercy, as I was sitting in that Bible study, trying to understand the passage, which was just a little bit too complicated for my brain to understand, uh, God opened my eyes, and he showed me the reality about myself that I was uh, standing in front of God uh, in a place of judgment, and God had to judge me for all the wrong things I have done in my life. And as I realized that for the first time in my life, I, my heart sank, sunk, my heart sunk. I realized I was in deep trouble and in the midst of that, it was as if somebody stood in the back of the courtroom I was in and said, I am willing to pay the penalty instead of this man. And I was surprised that anyone would be audacious enough to make that offer in a court of law and uh, I looked to the judge, (coughs) that being God. Uh, Is that possible? Can that person pay the penalty for my sins in my place? And it was as if God asked me, is that okay with you? Is that okay with you, that somebody else pays for your sins? And when God said that or indicated that or helped me understand that, I realized that that's what it was all about. Jesus died for my sins. And the question is, will I accept what Jesus did for me. and When I understood that, it was like my heart burst with joy. Right? That Jesus died for my sins, that my sins were all forgiven, that I had a place through judgment to be right with God and to enjoy eternal life with God in heaven forever. It filled my heart with joy. We were singing that at the breaking of, bro- uh, of bread. I think it was... Uh, Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross, the Savior made me whole. And that's the the genuine experience of every believer when they come to that understanding of what it is that Jesus did for them. Their heart is filled with joy. Now, that's what Paul is saying here when he says rejoice in the Lord always. It's that joy that comes to you when you get saved at the understanding of what it is that Jesus did for you. He's not asking for any other kind of joy. We don't have to come up with a new one. That joy is intended to last forever. We sing, Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day. Happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. It's the same joy. Every day I can recall again what Jesus did for me. The fact that I am forgiven, washed of my sins, and I have a place in heaven. It's enough. It's enough. Now, I'm not saying that there won't be difficulties and trials, and nobody expects you to be laughing 24-7 like that. But uh, one of the things the research is suggesting is you should laugh at least once a day. You should rejoice at least once a day in what the Lord Jesus did for you. Okay. Principle number three. Paul says... Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, I cannot give you an equivalent from uh, these five principles of healthy living because there isn't that equivalent, right? There's a limit in how far you can push these illustrations. And the reason is when you're being advised to live a healthy lifestyle, it tends to be self-focused. But the Christian life cannot be self-focused. It must must be outward focused. And that's why he says, let your gentleness be known to all men. It's how you're treating other people. What does it mean to be uh, gentle? To be gentle means to recognize the preciousness of another person and because of that, to handle them in a way that's not going to lead to injury. Let me give you an illustration. A few uh, weeks ago, as I was uh, trolling my uh, backyard for fruits, I think I've mentioned in the past how you know focused I am on fruit-bearing trees, especially my own, because I like eating the fruit. I found a uh, uninvited guest on top of my tree. Can anybody tell me <coughs> who the uninvited guest is? Sorry. It is a hummingbird. It's a nest. Uh, The branch is probably thinner than my uh, finger. That nest is probably about this big. And those eggs are about the size of jelly beans. And I thought that was kind of neat. I've never seen a hummingbird nest before. (laughs) And uh, I uh, Watch with interest as the mom would come fluttering by occasionally and sit on those eggs. And I was wondering, I don't know if you remember, May turned quite cold and windy and rainy. And I was like, I don't know if that hummingbird is able to keep those eggs warm enough in this weather. This is not hummingbird kind of weather, at least I didn't think so. Uh, But uh, the miracle happened, the eggs hatched. There were two little baby hummingbirds, living in that nest. And uh, I watched with interest as the mom would come and you know, occasionally still sit on them at the early phase, and she would come and feed them. Have you ever fed a baby while flying in air? That's something that hummingbirds actually do. And uh, the birds got bigger, and it became kind of evident at some point that the two of them may not quite fit in that little nest. And now uh, what do you know? Uh, one day I came and there was just one, one bird in the nest. So I looked around on the ground and I, I found the bird, can we show the video? So all right maybe you can skip to the picture so that's me uh, putting the bird into you know uh, a nest we created it's that uh, plastic box with a towel in it i didn't think uh, putting it back in the nest with his brother was a wise idea but uh, how did i handle that hummingbird yeah as, as gently as I could. Uh, I have probably enough power with two fingers to, uh, to seriously injure, really kill that little bird. But that little bird was precious in my sight, uh, perhaps because it started as an egg and I watched it grow and develop. And so I, I handled it as gently as I could and um, you know, thankfully, the bird reached maturity and flew away, <laughs> left its nest, and now I'm bereft. Yeah. I'm okay. Um, but uh, why, why is it so important for us to be uh, gentle? Why is it so important for us to be gentle? First, uh, we could recognize that's how God treated us. Psalm 18, verse 35 you have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great." Uh, that's King David, but uh, it describes us. God, How did God treat us? Did God treat us roughly? Did he treat us in all his might? Does God have strength in His in two fingers to, to cause a significant injury? Absolutely. God treats treats us very gently in drawing us to himself, right, and saving us. That's how God dealt with you and with me. So we should recognize that God loves. Why did God treat us like that? Because we're precious. We're precious to God. And you know what? Each one of you is precious to God. And you know what? Each one of the person you will meet outside of this church is precious to God. And so we need to be gentle with them, just like God is gentle with them. Handle them in such a way not to cause them any injury or unnecessary offense. Jesus said, "Uh, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. Jesus was gentle. You see how he went around... Uh, the sick and sorrowing of his days and he always had the healing touch. Could Jesus have hurt someone he could have, but he never did, right? He always treated people with gentleness. And we should follow our Lord's example. Why should we be gentle? Well, people were gentle with us, but we were gentle among you, Paul tells the Thessalonians, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. I've seen uh, little Micah passed around, uh, mostly between his uh, aunts and uncles. And uh, how were they holding him? They were gentle. They were gentle with him, right? Because he is precious in their sight. And uh, you are here today probably because somebody took interest in you spiritually. Someone recognized that you needed to know the Lord and they spent time with you. How did they do it? How did they work with you? Was it with a rough hand? Come on, you need to become a Christian, slap. No, no, nobody gets saved that way. Somebody worked with you gently, right, to lead you to the Lord. So we need to be gentle with others. In fact, being gentle is a requirement. Paul. Uh, tells his uh, son in the faith, Timothy, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. It's a requirement. If we are to work at all with others for the Lord, if we are to be servants of the Lord, we must be gentle. Okay. Quality or Principle for Healthy Christian Living, number four. Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Again here, we are not going to find an equivalent in... Uh, in a healthy living advice uh, given to us by doctors simply because they don't recognize that there is a God and that therefore our relationship with him is important for our healthy living. But the truth is there is a God and uh, he is very important for our Christian health, our relationship uh, with him. The issue here seems to be that of anxiety. I have a picture of that, or uh, being worried uh, about things, and uh, the world recognizes that there is uh, such a danger, certainly people do suffer from anxiety or uh, depression or might be worried about many things. The world just doesn't really know what the solution to the problem is. Uh, So it, it throws us all kinds of advice. Um, there's a recent song that I heard because my kids liked it. Uh, and I thought the wording was interesting because it kind of describes a little bit how the world feels about this, or what the world feels would be a good solution to this problem. And the song goes something like I'm not going to sing it, I will just say the words. Ahoo, if you got troubles, let them go. Let them so, so high high into the sky, just like a red balloon. Ahu, don't let your worries get to you, let them float on by, high into the sky, just like a red balloon. Monday morning, shoot up like a rocket. Yeah, the sun is shining, keep it in my pocket. Got this golden feeling, never gonna stop. It just goes on and on. Keep on clapping. Join the celebration. Turn the music louder on my favorite station. Want to spread my magic all across the nation. Do it all day long. So what's the solution for my problems? I just let them float away. It doesn't work. Right? It just doesn't work. Uh, Turn the music louder. Right? Shout out the sound of my problems with music or other forms of entertainment, if that doesn't work, try drinking. If that doesn't work, try drugs. Right? Because there is no solution for our problems outside of God. And so the world will feed you other suggestions, but they have no solution. What's the solution that Paul tells us? It says... Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Bring it to God. What what can I bring to God? Everything. Everything. Whatever it is that makes you anxious, take it to God. And uh, how should I take it to God? Well, he says, uh, by (coughs) prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Uh, to me, it reminds me of um, an acronym I, I've heard in the past called ACTS. I don't know if any of you is familiar with that. It's uh, kind of an acronym for prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And it just speaks to me of the fact that this is a real engagement with God in prayer. Right? If I'm struggling with something, you know, saying a word like, you know, God, make it go away, you know, might not be as effective in uh, in reducing my anxiety than really engaging with God in prayer at this topic. I, I've I've had to deal with uh, issues like that in my life. I've had um, doctors warning me about uh, a baby that was going to be born with a serious. Um, um, Issues, medical issues. I've had a son that uh, managed to uh, crack his skull playing outside. And I was before the Lord in prayer. And the Lord took my worries away. Right? That's what he says he will do. Uh, We bring the Lord uh, our needs for two reasons. You know, first of all, because we want him to answer our prayers. Right? It's not just to feel good. But also, it brings us peace. It's the real way to have peace is to bring your worries to God. And so that is certainly a very important part of, of our healthy Christian living is having this regular uh, reaching out to God in prayer. As soon as something is causing me anxiety, I bring it to God. Why wait? We sing this, the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Right? We're just, <laughs> we're just hurting ourselves by waiting. We should bring it as soon as it's upon us to God. Okay, principle number five, so just two to go. Principle number five, Paul tells them, finally brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. This one has an equivalent, in that early picture that you saw. In fact, it had like three out of the five kind of fit this one. And that is simply to watch what you eat, right? My doctor told me, you know, Mr. Shapiro, you need to change your diet, (laughs) right? You need to uh, eat less food with high cholesterol uh, and uh, more vegetables and fruit. And my doctor was telling me the truth, right? Uh, my more recent experience was, you know, you need to cut down on the carbs. <laughs> so, that's fine, right? Watch what you eat. You are what you eat. Uh, now, what does that have to do with this passage? Well, in my mind, meditating is the same thing as, as eating, but for mental things, right? When I meditate on something, when I think about something, when I put my focus on something, I'm taking it in to my mind, right? And uh, what is it, what is it that I'm taking in? What is it that comes inside? Well, it's those things that, that I'm paying attention to, those things that I'm focusing my attention on. If it is uh, watching uh, certain programs on TV, well, that's kind of what's going in. That's what's going to affect my life. I can't be watching movies that are showing, uh, things that are impure, basically the opposite of what Paul is saying here, things that are impure, things that are not true, things that are not noble, and expect that I am living a healthy Christian life. It's not gonna work. Uh, probably, I, and I can look back over my life as a Christian, I've been a believer for about 20 years, and I've seen some highs and lows, right? Um, not many of us continue you know, at this peak of Christian experience. For my entire Christian life, but there's definitely been highs and lows. And one of the big transitions for me, as I've, you know, was doing this, was um, uh, driving my car to work every day. I had a roughly half an hour, 45-minute commute each way. I was driving, and I was looking for something to do during, during that commute, and I've asked. Um, my wife to get me books on tapes from the library. I had a tape player at the time uh, in my car. And so I was listening to things that, you know, you wouldn't say were necessarily very bad, but they were just secular uh, fiction stories that uh, weren't particularly edifying. And uh, one day my uh, tape player stopped working. And, um, I think at the time, uh, somebody uh, sent me an uh, email with a link to a sermon online. And I listened to that sermon, and I was really encouraged by it. And I was like, hey, maybe there's more sermons on that website. And of course there were. And I just downloaded them all on a disc. And, uh, and then in my car, I started listening to those sermons instead. And that resulted in a very significant you know, uptick to my Christian walk. Why? Because instead of spending an hour to an hour and a half every day taking in things that were not good, uh, were not profitable for my Christian life, I started listening to things that were profitable for an hour and hour and a half a day. And I had this, this really positive influence now daily on my life. And so that's why Paul says, these are the things we should be meditating on. Uh, listening to Christian biographies I find to be very edifying. There's a lot of good material out there you could listen to or watch or read that uh, you will find very encouraging and building you up and helping you in living uh, you know, a healthy Christian life by your choice of what it is that you're intaking into your life. Okay, last one. Last principle for a healthy Christian living. And of course, this is not designed to be all-encompassing. There are certainly many other principles that you could apply to your life. Uh, These are just the ones that are in this passage. But Paul says in verse 9, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. These things do Um, one of the things my children and i have been doing recently is uh, watching the women's world cup in soccer probably not something a lot of you are doing but uh, my girls into playing soccer i guess you could show the picture and uh you know what's the benefit right of sitting and watching other people play a sport? Well, I mean, there may be some entertainment, val- entertainment value in it, but if you think about it, sports were not invented to be watched. They were invented to be played, right? People tried to come up with fun games for them to play and get exercise, enjoy this body that God gave them, uh, whether it's kicking the ball or shooting the ball or doing other things that they find enjoyable. Right, And uh, yet we have the problem that in our modern society we often like being spectators. We like watching other people play sports instead of getting up and doing it ourselves. And that's a danger in the Christian life as well. We might enjoy going to church on Sunday and listening to a sermon. Boy, I sure enjoy uh, hearing what Noad is doing or hearing what Paul was doing. Uh, that's all sounds very exciting, uh, but you know what? God wants you to do it. God wants you to get out of your comfort zone, so to speak, and engage in the Christian life. What is it that you need to do? Uh, it's no mystery. Paul says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, right? I mean, you've There's all these sensory things that are being employed here. There's no reason you shouldn't know what to do, Philippians. You know what to do. Now you just need to get out and do it. Uh, The same thing was said by Jesus to his disciples. He said, if you know these things, after he finished telling them (laughs) those things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessings come not from knowing what it is that God wants us to do, but actually doing it. James tells us, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. I think there's a danger that we're deceiving ourselves in our Christian life when we're just listening, taking in, but we're not doing anything with what we're learning. So we have to do. Perhaps uh, the Lord has been speaking to you about something in your life uh, that you know the Lord wants you to do, but you've been afraid to do it. Uh, Paul has an encouragement to you. He says, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. God is not asking you to do it alone. When Jesus sent his disciples to preach the gospel in all the world, he said, and I will be with you. The Lord Jesus went out with his disciples and helped them doing the preaching of the gospel. The Lord Jesus is available today to help you do whatever it is that you need to do. You're not on your own, you're not alone. He is with you and he will give you peace as you obey his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these practical exhortations uh, by the Apostle Paul as he was led by your spirit in his writing to the Philippians. We consider that these are practical encouragements to us at Calvary Bible Chapel today and each of us in our individual lives to apply and to enjoy the Christian life. We thank you. You didn't just save us and then left us to just hang, hang out here until you came to get us from heaven. Uh, you want us to live the Christian life. You want us to enjoy an, an abundant life of serving you here on earth. We ask that you help us do so. Apply these things that we've learned to our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.